0: Appreciate that here today.
1: If you have your Bibles here this uh, this morning, I'd like for you to turn to Matthew chapter three. Matthew chapter three. We've been preaching out of Revelation the last few weeks, and tonight we'll be back in chapter six. But uh, as I think about chapter six of of the of Revelation talks about Jesus being the Lamb of God with the book in his hand. He's the last one standing. All others are below. But I want to go back at the beginning. How did Jesus, the Lamb, get to that place? To have the book, the title deed of all the world. So I'll begin to think, let's go back. So there's no better place to go back in than Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, look in verse 1. And we'll read the first three verses and then bring what the Lord laid on my heart this morning. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word and the songs that we've sung. God, the special tonight of uh, this morning, dear God, has been a blessing to my heart. We've heard that song many a times, and still it never just gets old. So we pray this morning, Lord, to help us understand and make it very clear, Lord, where this Christianity, the Lord, the Christ, come from. and why should we believe in him? And, and, Lord, what does the word of God say concerning salvation? And, Lord, I pray, Father, that you'd help us, God, to be able to speak in such a way that it would bring clarity and not confusion. God, that you'd give us the ears to hear and the hearts to receive. Father, that we may have a greater love for Christ than we ever had before. And that maybe somebody would come to know Christ this morning. Oh, God, have your way now in our hearts and our lives. May you be magnified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The important phrase this morning that I believe gives us our answer to the question is why do we believe in Jesus? And about salvation, why do we believe that salvation is of Christ? We say that we're a Christian. But where did that come from? We say that we're going to heaven. How would we know that? There's others this morning in other places and other religions that don't believe as we believe. What makes us right? There's others today that that don't have any idea of what we know. We have no idea what they know. Matter of fact, they have different books. They have different grounds that they run from they got different foundations in which they find themselves on we that are Christians today we make statements such as this we're going to heaven we also say that we have eternal life We also say that that we're right amen and so I want to just kind of clarify those things that that somebody would say well you just think you're arrogant you think you have all the answers. You think you know everything. And so that's said many a times in different forms. But here this morning I want to go way back and to think where did Jesus come from? What made him be the Savior? And why was it he that we have to trust in? And my, isn't it great of importance to know that, that us that are Christians have entrusted Our soul to Christ. This is no little decision. This is no little small choice. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about going to eternity in damnation or going to eternity uh, with God. And so a decision, a choice, understanding the facts, knowledge, having clarity. Who is Jesus? Why is it? Why do we have to believe in Him? What brings us to the place of salvation? So that you and I can have a confidence. And that you and I can have an assurance that what we believe is true. And what we believe is the exact right thing to believe in. Amen? Don't y'all want to know that? I mean, I would, I would as an individual this morning, been saved for so many years. But, you know, I would want to know those answers uh, if I was talking to somebody of a Muslim belief or of a Buddhist belief or a Judaism in belief or somebody like a Jehovah Witness or Mormon or something of those natures, a Seventh-day Adventist and, and, uh, or any others that are out there today, uh, they say they're right. They say they have a way to heaven. They say they're going to heaven and yet it's not the same way that I believe. It's not the same way that I've been taught. It's not the same way in which I know is to be. Somebody's wrong. Somebody is not right. We both can't be right. And yet this morning, I believe the answer is in this phrase, prepare the way of the Lord. It's in that phrase we have the answer. Because if you break that down this morning, you would say, who is the Lord, number one? And then it says, he's such an individual that you're going to have to make a way for him. But in order to make a way, a path, you're going to have to have a preparation. So there's a preparation to the path of the person. And we find this morning uh, that this, I believe, is the very answer to why that you must trust and believe in Jesus Christ. I believe this is the answer why you must repent of your sin and by faith, have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's all in this phrase. We want to break down the phrase. We want to get down to the beginning here so that we can know, without a shadow of a doubt this morning, that whom we believe in, why we believe, and how does that change our lives, our hearts, and what assurance and confidence that it brings within our lives that today. If we shut our eyes for the last time, breathe our last breath, that we would have that confidence and security that be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. I would believe everyone in this room would want that. I don't think anybody in here says, I don't care if I die, if I go to hell or not. Now, you may. we met a guy right around the corner here, the first house to your left, in that little short street. We went by, I think it was me and you, Sister Sophia, and we was talking to this man, he's an older fella, and uh, he said, I'm going to hell, that's where I'm going to go, and that's where I want to go, and just leave me alone, let me go there. That's what he said. Boy, that was shocking to me, that was like heartbreaking to me, I never heard anybody say that before, Uh, but uh, I don't know if there's anybody like that here today, I don't believe there is, but just in case there is, I pray that you would change your mind, amen, change your heart. But we find in this phrase, prepare the way of the Lord. We find it at the beginning. Matter of fact, Jesus has not even uh, came yet as far as into his ministry. We find that John the Baptist is the one who is going to uh, speak of Christ, speak of the Lord. But he came preaching in the wilderness. Now, I wonder what he was preaching. We know that it says in verse 2 that he was saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's an interesting statement. But then he goes down to verse 3, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. And now we're going back into the Old Testament. So in order for us to understand is just Jesus, this one that we trust in, this one that we give our lives to, this one that we entrust our soul with the one that today we are putting all faith upon that we go to heaven, we put all our trust in that our sins are forgiven, that he was the God-man, that he was the one who died and was buried and resurrected. And we say in our hearts, we say with all we have within us, we're going to give completely total surrender to this Jesus. And the Bible says that this John the Baptist was one Out of the way of Isaiah, that was said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make make his path straight. I want to talk this morning on the person of the Lord. Who in the world would require that somebody would prepare a path for him to come? Who is the Lord? Right? I mean, how many people do you know uh, that, that you, when you go somewhere, they're preparing a path so that you can walk in? Anybody like that? You go, to Wall- you go to Walmart, they're preparing a path that you walk in? I mean, you go down to maybe H-E-B or, or maybe you go to work and, and they've got this red carpet or whatever, and they just roll it out and prepare the path that you walk down. When you come to church, you've got a path that's opened up. Uh, there ain't nobody in this room at all, and me included, that anybody's ever treated me that way. So why in the world this morning would, do we think that this Lord, uh, the one they're speaking of, He must be somebody, uh, must be some, something that we need to pay close attention to, that they would prepare a path, prepare a way that He may come, and it was spoken of back in the Old Testament. Not even in the New Testament. And so we got to go back to the Old Testament. To find out what is the Isaiah speaking of. What is the prophets talking about. When he says the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. So if you would today go back to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. In Isaiah chapter 40 we find there in verse In verse 3 we find that it says according to Matthew chapter 3 giving us this prophecy, giving us this truth that only John the Baptist was doing what was told of him in the Old Testament by the way of the prophet Isaiah. We find it says we ask the question is who is coming? It says in verse 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So who is coming? The Bible says in that verse 3, it says the one that is coming, which is called the Lord, is making a straight way for our God. Now, the next question would be is who is coming? The Lord is coming. Right? But who said the Lord is coming? Look at verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye, ye my people, saith your God. Now, this is interesting. Because when the Bible is speaking there in verse 1, your God is different than the Lord. So, your God... Is telling there's coming of the Lord. Now your God, the word God there, uh, it means Elohim. Amen. The word Elohim, it means in Hebrew, the supreme God. Uh, it means uh, the one that's superior of every God and all gods. So when you see that word God, uh, as you do in verse 1, saith your God, it's the same God In the same Hebrew words in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so who in Isaiah is saying that the Lord is coming? It's God. The God of creation. The God of supreme. The God of superior. So if the God of creation and the God of gods and the Lord of lords is saying that there is coming the Lord, then you're going to have to mark it down in your heart, we're right. Because God said the Lord is coming. Not Isaiah, not a prophet, not a man, not a book, not a theologian, not a preacher, not anyone, not anything. But the God who is God of creation said, the Lord is coming. And so we've got to come to the place in our mind and heart, this Lord uh, that's going to come, it was said by God. Now that brings us great understanding. It brings us great assurance and great confidence in our heart that whatever happens from this, for, this place forward, we can all know that God. God said it. So if God said it, you can just lay upon it. You can rest in it. You can say, I'm confident and I'm very, I'm very sure and secure that God said the Lord's coming. And so when he comes, we know that it's the Lord because he said he was coming. So we see who is coming, the Lord. And that word Lord there, uh, it means Jehovah. Jehovah. So Elohim, who created the heaven and the earth, said Jehovah. Jehovah means self-existent or eternal Lord or eternal God. So Jehovah is self-existent God and the eternal God. Now that word, first time it's used, the word Lord is used in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4. It says this, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now Elohim, God, created heavens and earth. Once he made heaven and earth, and now there's relationship with his creation, he become the Lord, the Lord God. The self-existent, the, the eternal God. And so now we have, we have God Elohim, who's the supreme God, who says to us in Isaiah that the Lord, the eternal God, uh, the self-existent God is coming. Amen. He's coming. Yes, he and so we know now that God said that God is coming. Yeah. God and God and God in the Lord. And so we understand now that who is coming? The Lord. Who said he's coming? God. Who God said the Lord is? Self-existent, eternal God, Jehovah. Now, how is the Lord God coming? We know that he's coming because God said he is. And then we know the Lord is coming, the self-existent God. But how? Well, the Bible tells us that as well. Look in verse 10 of Isaiah 40. The Bible says, Behold the Lord God, Jehovah, the self-existent God, the eternal God, will come with strong hand, and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Now, when this Lord, who is God, Jehovah, when he comes, he's going to come to succeed. The Bible says he's come with a strong hand. He's not coming to fail. He's not coming to quit. He's not coming to not finish. He's coming with a strong hand. All of hell can't stop him. All of government can't stop him. All of man can't stop him. All the flesh can't stop him. There's nothing at all that can ever uh, get him diverted or get him to be deterred. He can never come to a place where he's not ever going to finish what he started to do. He come to overcome. He come to get the victory. He come to win. He come to finish. He come to succeed. He has a strong hand. Now, who is coming? The Lord, Jehovah's coming. How do we know? Because God, Elohim said he's coming. Amen. you probably saying, I'll be glad when he gets here. He's coming. He's coming to succeed. Number two, he's coming to secure. And the Bible says, the Bible says in verse 10, and his arms shall rule for him. He's coming to secure all that is His. He's coming to rule and to reign all that belongs to Him. The kingdom of God is at hand. His kingdom is at rule. He's the kingdom of His dear Son. He's the kingdom that's upon this earth, and it is to rule and to reign. He is the Lord God, amen, and he's come to secure all that is his, he doesn't lose. All of it. his, friend, he takes care of, he provides for, he protects him, he, he's the one that preserves, he's the one that rules and the one that guides and the one that leads, and he's come to secure Amen, so you just know the Lord God that's coming because God said he's coming. Right. He's coming with to succeed, so it's not a failure. He's coming to win, but he's coming to rule. He's coming to rule. Not to rule the world, but to rule his. His. And this morning, if you're his, then you'll be ruled by him or you're not his. We find that he's come with a strong hand, Uh, to succeed and to secure, but to satisfy. The Bible says there in verse 10, Behold, his reward is with him. He's here to satisfy. All that Jesus is will bring contentment. All the Lord is will bring a satisfaction. He'll bring a pleasure. Uh, he'll He'll bring a purpose, and he'll bring a reason And, Fred, it will be satisfactory today. Jesus will not disappoint. Jesus will not uh, at all bring to our minds a discouragement. Uh, Jesus will never, ever come to a place and say, I wish I'd have never known Jesus. I wish I'd have never been saved. I wish I'd have never been born again. I wish I'd have never come to that church. I wish I'd have never heard that preacher. I wish I'd have never understood the Word of God. I wish I'd have never been born in that family. They told me about Jesus. See, that never will happen for those who know about this Lord God that's coming. He's coming to satisfy. He's coming to secure. He's coming to succeed. And fourthly, we notice, friend, He's coming to save. The Bible says in verse 10, and His work before Him. Before Him. His work is before Him at this point. In Isaiah 40, this is a prophecy. This is a, something that's going to take place prior, and so his work is before him, but he's come to save. That's his work. He said, "I came to seek and to save that which was lost." Amen. He said, "I didn't come to destroy men's lives. No. I come to save them." Right. What he said. That's right. He said that the Son of Man has come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Right. He's here to save. Listen, friend, the Lord is coming. And God said he's coming. and But he's coming to save and secure and succeed and to satisfy. Do you know the Lord this morning? Are you one this morning that can say, I am satisfied. I am secure. I am successful. I am saved. The Lord God is the one who done that. Oh, we say this morning. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Who's the Lord? Well, he's, he's the one that's called Jehovah. Well, who said he's coming? Oh, that's the one called Elohim. That's God. That's God. Oh, how's he coming? With a strong hand. Aren't you glad? Can I say here, the Lord God is not coming to lose. He's not coming to fail. He's not coming to quit, and he's not coming to rest. He's coming to work. Anybody? I tell you, I, I'm so excited about this, I'm about to jump out of my skin. You ever been like that before? I mean, I want to shout. I want to run around. I want to do a lot of things in my heart thinking, oh, God. Uh, Elohim, you can't get no greater than that God. He's supreme. And he said that the Lord God, uh, which is self-existent God, Jehovah, is coming. But he's not coming to fail, not coming to rest, not coming to give up, not coming to quit, not coming to turn back, not coming to give in. He's coming to finish the work. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know that you know? That you know him now you might have a soft heart for any other religion, and you might have some consideration for all other books, and you might even have uh, some sort of persuasion and other religions, but friend, you better go with God. you better go with what God has said, and you better go with God and how he said that he's going to come. number three. I notice today it's not who is coming and how he's coming, but I want to ask another question is, why is the Lord God coming? I mean, you know, prepare ye the way of the Lord. What's the big deal? I mean, at this point here, there's been thousands and thousands of years that's already went by. Why well, we need something now. We've made it this far. Now, we've got our own little religions. We've got our own little things going on. Well, I could say to you, according to Isaiah 40, verse 11, kind of gives us an answer to that question. The Bible says, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom, and he shall gently lead those that are with young. Boy, that's comforting to see that the scripture is saying that the Lord is one who's going to be the shepherd. And so why is the Lord coming? To be a shepherd. That's why. I mean the Bible tells us in the New Testament that he is the shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. Amen. And he's the great shepherd. And so there's three identifications of the shepherd this, this morning. And so you say why does the Lord need to come? Because we are his sheep, or his flock or his fold need a shepherd. And that shepherd is one who's going to care for his flock, he says. In verse 11, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He's not talking about taking the sheep and, and putting them out in the field somewhere and we can eat some oats and we can have some grass and, and we can have some drink some water and he's out there feeding us in a physical way. He's not talking about that this morning. He's talking about this shepherd is going to care for his own, to care for his sheep, and that he's going to provide for us and take care of us and we're going to be just fine on this side because the shepherd's coming. Amen. He will take care of us. Those that are saved this morning can say amen, glory, hallelujah. God has taken care of us. He has provided for us. He feeds us. He feeds us with his word. He feeds us uh, uh, from heaven. Uh, He feeds us. He takes care of us. We grow. Uh, We learn. We understand. Yes, we go through trials and tribulations. Yes, we fall under the hand of the chastening of the Lord and the scourging of God. And yes, friend, we find some days are tougher than others. But when it's all said and done, this Lord God, who God said that would come... And he was going to come to be a shepherd and to take care of us. Isn't that a glorious thought today? To know that the Lord God's come as a shepherd to care for us. To care for us. Man, what a Lord God that is. To care for his flocks. But then he says to collect his lambs. You see that verse 11? He shall gather the lambs with his arm. This is tenderness. This is sweet. This is very propelling with our hearts to to see Jesus as a shepherd and as his arms are out to us today, and as it is on an everyday basis, whether we're having a good day or a bad day, whether it's a nighttime or daytime, whether we're in a storm or not, whether we're in a cloud, or whether uh, things are going the way we think they ought to go, or things are going the way we wish they wouldn't have went. It doesn't matter we find in the scriptures a shepherd as his arms is out. Amen. And he is reaching out, and he has us in his arms. Friend, I can say to you today the Lord God has wrapped you in His loving, powerful, mighty arms. That's the shepherd. The shepherd does not just allow a lamb to lay out in the field for the wolves to take over. He doesn't allow the the lamb to lay out in the field and drink dirty water. He doesn't allow the lamb to lay out in the field and drink and eat corrupted wheat or corrupted oats so that they would get sick or have some sort of disease. Oh no, he's our Lord and he has his arms and his arms is amongst the lambs. And we can be rest assured today that not only are we in his hand and we're in the Father's hand and no man shall pluck us out, but he does collect his lambs as the Bible would say there in that verse 11 uh gather the lambs with his arms he's gathering us he's not letting you go too far he's not letting you go to at a distance he's gathering God is not trying to scatter us he's trying to gather us the Lord Jesus today is not trying to put us off he's wanting us to come in he's not wanting us to live at a distance He's wanting us to live close. He's not wanting us to be as we want to be, but he wants us to be as he wants us to be. Oh, he's collecting us. I love that thought. Not only is he caring for the flock, and he's collecting of the lambs, but I notice he's carrying his sheep. It says, and carry them in his bosom. Do You know, the Lord Jesus, the Lord God, is carrying us daily. None of us today is in our own help and our own strength. None of us today, Fred, could make it this far. None of us today would ever be where we are today, sitting in Glory Baptist Church on September the 11th, 2022, with any kind of satisfaction, contentment in your heart, and with a life that's been changed by the grace of God, and your sins washed in the blood of the Lamb, without the Lord Jesus, the Lord God, here this morning, uh, to take us and to carry us along the way. He never lets us down. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. You can rest assured no matter where you're at. He's, you got, he has you. Not only does he have your back, friend, but he's carrying you the way. He's carrying you, friend, on this side. He's going to carry us all the way. Then when we die, I believe with all my heart, friend, there's going to be angels that are going to be escorting you up to heaven to be in the presence of the Lord as it was there in Luke chapter 16. I believe that with all my heart. And so we find today there is the, the collection of his lambs Uh, there is the carrying of his fold Uh, there is the carrying of his flock but then I notice fourthly I notice the covering of his fold we see that there in that verse 11 and shall gently lead those that are with the young he'll cover us he'll cover us along the way what a shepherd this is why he's coming Do you have that relationship with the Lord God this morning? I'm talking about Jehovah. I'm talking about Jehovah. I'm talking about the eternal God, the self-existent God. Do you have that relationship? Are you the fold? Are you the flock? Are you the lamb? Are you the sheep? And is he carrying you? Is he covering you? Is he the one today that's caring for you? Is it happening like that for you in your life? Are you just going through life? And you're just doing what you're told. And you're miserable. And you're undone. And you can't find no happiness. And you go from one man to the next. And you go from one woman to the next. You go from one school to the next. You go to one friend to the next. You go to one job to the next. You go to one this and one that. You just can't ever find fulfillment. You can't ever find purpose. You can't ever find reason. Everything falls apart. Everything seems to come all haywire. It just never seemed that things work out on your behalf. and never goes your way it just seemed like everything's against you Does that sound like you that's not with the shepherd maybe you need a shepherd this morning and the shepherd's the lord god he's coming that's what god said he said the lord god is coming and he's coming according to verse 10 and verse 11 he's coming uh to be a shepherd uh we recognize the verses like in John. Turn there with me. In John chapter 10, I want to read these verses because I want you to see the New Testament of this side. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep or not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf cares, catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I, and my sheep, and know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. And there I want you to look at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand I and my father are one I see a shepherd right there he has care for his flock he has a collection for his lambs he has a carrying of his sheep he's to cover his fold that's the Lord God and that's why he came fourthly whom is the Lord God coming Who is he really? Who's this one that's going to be this shepherd? Who is this one who's going to come to satisfy, secure, save? Who is he? Who is he really? Well, we said he's the Lord God. But then in verse 12, we began to understand who. You see verse 12 and the first word of verse 12? says, who? And verse 13, who? Verse 14, whom? Verse 18, whom? Verse 25, whom? So who is he? Who is this one you keep rejecting? Who is this one that you don't believe in? Who is this one that you don't give your life totally over to? Who is this one that you just gave lip service to by praying a prayer? Who is this one this morning that you're just not that interested in, that you're just not that committed to, that one you're just not persuaded enough to really just become fully a child of God? You want Christianity and you want eternal life, But you don't want the life of a Christian. You don't want the rules or you don't want the commands. So who is this one you're really keeping at arm's length? Who is this one that you're really saying, I just don't want him to be the Lord? I want him to be the Savior because I want my sins forgiven. I want to go to heaven when I die. But I don't want him to be the Lord. So who is this one you're rejecting? Well, it explains them right here. Let me explain to you what it explains to us. Whom is the Lord God coming? Well, number one, it says in verse 12 that this one, this Lord God that's coming, the shepherd, he is who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. Now this is remarkable. This one, that the majority of the world has rejected. This one that all lost has said, I will not believe in. And everyone in hell has just completely said, it's untrue. Is the one who measures the water in, according to the Scripture now, measures the water in the hollow of his hand. Now, you know what the hollow of his hand is? It is the very palm, the palm of his hand. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. Does anybody in here know how much of the world is surfaced with water? I don't know if you know that or not. I, I don't know if I really knew that until I looked at it, but 71% of the earth is water. That's salt water, that's fresh water, that's streams, that's, that's uh Anything and everything that water is at, so 71 percent of all this earth that we have is of water. Now if you would take a water ball like a like a basketball or something of that nature and make it a water ball, that water ball would be 860 miles in diameter, 860 miles in diameter. That ball would have 200. Now, 264 billion gallons of water. It really comes down to 1,386 cubic kilometers. You say, what well, all that means? That means that's a lot of water, right? I mean, we're talking about huge. We're talking about big. We're talking about bigger than you and I can ever imagine. And that water, all the water is measured And to this one that we call Jesus. Because God said the Lord God's coming. And it's him that measures that water in the palm of his hand. And you want to reject him? How dare you? You don't want to live for him? Where else are you going to live? For Muhammad? He's still dead. I'm talking about the one who has all the water of all the world, 71% of the world. And it's 860 miles in a diameter of a ball. And it has over 264 billion gallons of water to put in our little minds. And it's right here in the palm of his hand. And you say no to him? You say, I don't want him to be the Lord of my life. He says in the next portion of verse 12. I'm talking about who's coming now. We see that the volume of this water, let me tell you this, the volume of this water is 332.5 million cubic miles. One cubic mile is 1.1. That means it's trillions of gallons within this water. Number two, not only does he measure the water, but he measures the heavens. Verse 12, he says, he met it out heaven with the span. Now the word span there means the spread of his fingers. So he measures out heavens with the spread of his fingers like you'd have a fish like that and you go like this. And then that would meet out, that would spread out the heavens. Now anyone in this room here has to understand and know that when you look up in the air, you don't see all that there is. We can't be that Ridiculous. So we got to know that there's three heavens, and the first heaven is you know where the trees and all that is, and then then the birds fly and air, airplanes fly the second heaven is where the atmosphere is where all the galaxies and the and all the planets and the stars and all that kind of stuff, and then the third heaven is where the throne of God is where God is at and so in that th- and so we would say as the earth is huge and the earth is big, but the heavens are bigger, right. and the bible says that with the with the with the very meeting of his Flicking of the hands, this from the tip of his finger to the tip of his little finger, it meted it out, it measured it out. Heavens. All. And you still don't want this to be your Lord? And you're you're still rebelling against and being stubborn towards completing and giving over your heart to this God. Who in the world do you think you are? What audacity. What boldness and cruelness is it that he would present to you the salvation plan and you say, oh, I pray it. I get baptized in it. I join the church. But the life that I live is not consistent to what the word of God says. And it's him. That's coming. Him. Right. Yeah. So he is the measurement of all heavens. He's the measurement of all water. But then that, that's not all. The Bible says that he, he measures. That word, that word span or measures. It means the levels or balances or ranges. And then it says he measures in verse 12. The dust. Lewis says. And comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. In other words. What he's saying is. Is that he is sustaining, that word comprehended means sustain. he is maintaining and containing the dust. Now Fred, that will blow our little mind. That the Lord God, the God whom I'm speaking of is coming, who John the Baptist is told to prepare the way of the Lord, and the Lord is who I'm describing. He has comprehended He had all the dust in your house. All the dust. Outside. All the dust in all the world. He's comprehended it. He sustains it. He maintains it. He contains it. He has the water in the palm of his hand. He's flung out the heavens. He ranged it. Balanced it. And made it what it is. That's who came. That's who's coming. Fourthly, he measures the mountains and the hills. He says he weighed the mountains and scales and the hills and balances. Mountains, hills, huge, large, tall, wide. The weight of that. Can you imagine the weight of a mountain? Can you, can you imagine all the mountains of all the world, all the hills of all the world, in every place and everywhere? Just in, in, in uh, was it Mount Everest would be overwhelming. Just in Colorado would be blowing our mind. But we're talking about every mountain. We're talking about every hill. And he weighs them on his scale and on his balances. And this is the God, the Lord God, that's coming. And he's the one who wants to be your shepherd. And he's the one who wants to come and be your life. There's no other God going to come in this manner. You'll not find any other anywhere else but what God said. And God said, the Lord God is coming. And this is who is going to be coming. That's only verse 12. Look there in verse in verse 13. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, and being his counselor, hath taught him? Who teaches the Lord God? There's not a man, there's not a God, there's not a government, there's not a philosophy, there's not a, a university, there's not a school. None. None. And you know, and you know more than he knows. You know that you're not going to give your life to him. You know you're not going to get your sins forgiven. You know you're not going to lay down your sin. You know you're not going to stop being rebellious and stubborn. You know you're not going to stop doing the things you're doing. You know you're not going to have fear of God. You know that you're going to just keep on living the way you're living. You know that in this man, the Lord God, nobody can counsel him, but you know more than him. That's right. Please. 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 I beg you. I beg you heed the Lord God that's coming. Not only does he measure the water, heavens, dust, and mountains and hills, but who teaches him? Verse 14. Who counsels him? Who instructs him. With whom took the counsel. And who instructed him. And taught him in the path of judgment. And taught him knowledge. And showed to him the way of understanding. Who? 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 And you still don't just give him your life. And you still don't surrender all. And you still this morning won't come up here. He won't bow your knee and with your tongue confess that he's Lord and with your heart bow down and surrender your life unto him as Lord and Savior and repent and turn and ask Jesus to be Lord? Who? Who? Who this morning? In verse 15, he says, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as a small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the aisles as a very little thing. Who are the nations but a drop of the bucket? Man, we think of nations, we think of the United States of America, the greatest nation in all the world, big and large and huge and prosperous and powerful. China, Russia, all the others. India, everybody that we can think of, all the nations together, we say, wow, man, this is a great, great one world government, one world military. I'm telling you, this will be the greatest thing ever, the greatest military in all time, the largest, the biggest. You know, they say that China's going to have the six million man army, amen, coming out of Revelation. And boy, I tell you how great that is. And God is saying, the God you refuse, the God you won't surrender to, the God that you won't make Lord of your life and the Savior of your soul, that same Lord, he says those nations is just a little drop in a bucket. Just a little drop in a bucket. Little. You take a little drop of water. When you go home, do that. Take a little drop of water. Get a bucket. Put a drop of water And he says that's the nations to God. <laughs> now, why wouldn't you want him on your side? And why in the world wouldn't you go on get in his side when all the nations is just a little drop of a bucket? But not only that, they're not dropping a bucket, but all those nations, according to what he says, uh, is as small as dust. Now, have y'all ever just got a piece of dust and looked at it and measured it? Y'all done that on your little duster? Do that when you get home today. Do some dusting. And when you get some dust and pull out the dust, look at the dust, get you a little micro, microscope or whatever it is, a little mine-fine glass, and, and get you some dust and start measuring that dust, get you out a big old ruler, big old uh, ta- a tape or something like that, and start measuring that dust and see how large and how big and how awesome that that dust is. Try that. You know what he says? He says those nations is just about a balance of that dust. Which is very little to me. And this is the God, the Lord God that's coming. And he could be your Savior today. He could be your Lord today. But you're not interested. You're not interested in this God. I don't know what you're interested in. You're interested in sin. I guess you're interested in things. I guess you're interested in money. You're interested in your you being your own god you 're interested in this world you 're interested in continue to live amongst your friends, being who you are, living the way you are, just sad and miserable and unhappy and and uh just can't wait to get out of the house. Just can't wait to get out of the job. Just can't wait to get out of the marriage. Can't wait to get out of the home. Can't wait to, to get your own Do this, that, and the other. I mean, you're unsettled. You're unhappy. Uh, you, you're, you're, you just continue to fall. You continue to be who you are. You don't get better. You don't get grow any. Nothing changes in your life. You wear the same old clothes. You wear the same old hairstyle. You do the same old thing. Your life is as boring as the rest. And you're thinking, man, there's more to life than this. And yet I'm offering you this morning the Lord God. And you're still saying no. What's wrong with you? Is there something wrong up here? Something wrong right here? Well, I know what you're probably saying. You're probably saying, no, it's my mom and daddy. It's my spouse. It's my pastor. It's it's where I live. I live in this world. And, boy, you know it's perilous times, Brother Larry. We're, You know, we just got over this COVID thing and we're trying to get through, you know. You know, the inflation's very high. Things are very, very expensive these days. That's a bunch of baloney. That's a bunch of hogwash. That's all pathetic news. Friend, listen. You need to consider the one who John the Baptist is preparing the way of the Lord, the Lord God. And nations is a drop in the bucket. Dust is just in the balance. It's a little small thing. Can I say here? 13th point I have. Verse 16. The Bible says, And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. What he's saying is this, As though all the wood of Lebanon is not sufficient for me to have a burnt offering. I'm greater than that. All the wood and all the Lebanon. In other words, all the wood and all the world is not enough to burn for sacrifice for you nor for me. Verse 17. The Bible says, all nations before him were as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing, and vanity. He says, who is all the nations, nothing, and counted to him less than nothing, and vanity Friend, listen, not only does he say that a nation is just a drop of water in a bucket or it's just a dust in a balance, he says the nations are nothing. Nothing to me. Matter of fact, let me just say this not only are they nothing, but they're less than nothing. They're in the negative, they're not even the zero. But then he goes on and says, even more. Not only is he less than nothing, but it's vanity. Vanity. That's what you are. That's what I am. That's what every nation is. And every nation's made of people, bloods, tribes. And we're nothing, less than nothing. And we're just vanity. And I'm offering you this, God. Say, listen. If you would just repent of your sins and receive Christ this morning as Savior, as being the Lord God, He'd come into your life and change your life in such a way that you'd finally find a, ha- a life of joy and of peace and of happiness. You said, I've been there, done that. No, you haven't. If you have, you're never left. I've been saved a long time. Many in here have been saved a long time. I can tell you by the way of testimony, but not by the way of books I've read or by what somebody said to me. I've been saved and have been saved and still am saved. And I'm so glad that I have been saved and I never have forgot it and I never will get rid of it. I never get over it, amen. And being saved is the greatest thing I've ever done. It's never a time where I regretted it. Never a time when I said to myself, you have done and made a bad decision or wrong choice today. And yet, friend, there's many sitting out here. You've made professions of faith. You've been baptized. You grew up in a so-called Christian home or Christian home. You heard truth after truth after truth after truth. And yet your life is still not revealing the Lord God. We find this morning in verse 18, he says, To whom then will you liken God? And what likeness would you compare unto him? Verse 19 through 20. The Bible says, The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and casteth, out, casteth silver chains. That it is so impoverished that he hath no oblation, chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them as a tent to dwell in. Do you not know that? It ought to put fear in your heart, every person in this room. Everybody listening to the message of this morning ought to have fear in their heart. And they ought to be at the place where they're bowing down and saying, You are the one that sits on the circle of the earth. Amen. There's none greater and more powerful of greater authority than the Lord God that's coming. Amen. Now you kind of know why he would want to prepare a way of the Lord. Because this is who's coming. Oh, listen. Don't leave out of here without having him. I pray, I beg you. He stretches the heavens as a curtain. He spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. Verse 23, the Bible says, That bringeth the princes to nothing. So now the princes are nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Now the judges are nothing. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stalks shall not take root in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them. And shall they wither. And the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. What's he saying? He said, nothing will grow in your plant bed or your garden unless I make it grow. There is nothing in your manufacturing that's ever going to manufacture anything unless I let it manufacture. There's absolutely nothing that you're going to ever get, ever have, unless I give it and let you have it. And then, whatever you do have, I just got to blow on it, and it'll be gone. That's some power right there. Now why wouldn't everybody in this room this morning find themselves on their face before a holy thrice God asking for forgiveness of sin and if we are saved, getting right with God and if we're not saved, getting born again. If you really believe the scripture is saying what it's saying this morning on the Lord God that's coming. Prepare ye the way of the Lord he can destroy it all he can make it all verse 25 I'm gonna read it to you because time's gotten away who shall be like unto him verse 25 who shall be his equal verse 26 he created all all you see in the heavens verse 26 he numbered what you all see, the stars he's talking about. He's he, he made all the stars. He numbered the stars. He nameth the stars. And there's none of the stars that ever fails. He has this greatness and this might about him that no one's greater and mightier than him. Verse 27 says, who can say? Why sayest thou, Jacob, that speaketh of Israel, my way is hid from the Lord. My judgment is passed over from my God. Now how can you say that this morning, dear sinner friend? That my way is hid from the Lord. When I describe to you the Lord. Your ways hid, really? Nothing's hid from him. He knows all things. Verse 28, this is who he is. He says, Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Who is he? He's the everlasting God. He's the Lord. He's the creator. He's the eternal God that never fails or never faints. He's an unsearchable God. If you're here this morning and you're trying to figure him out, you never will. Won't you just let go? Won't you just lay down? And won't you give up and give your life to Christ this morning? Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I just wanted to talk about the person of the Lord this morning who is coming Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 tells us again right before Matthew I'll read it to you behold I will send my messenger he shall prepare the way before me the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple and even the messenger of the covenant whom he delight in behold he shall come saith the lord of hosts john the baptist is the messenger the message is he's coming the lord adonai is this lord the owner master superior and ruler saith the lord of hosts that's jehovah he's coming he's came he's been he's gone He's still here. He's coming back. Where is this Lord God in your life this morning? Where is he? I pray. I pray this morning. The way is to be prepared for Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you come? Would you come say, I'm, I'm just done. I'm, I'm done t- playing the game. I'm done trying to live this Christian life. There's just nothing to it. I'm done doubting it. I'm done arguing with it. I'm done of being pressured by it. I'm through. Would you come? Christians are praying. This is who came. Wow. That's who lives in your heart. That's who you've entrusted your soul to. The Lord God. Blessed be your name. Sing, Brother George, one verse and nobody comes besides those that come. We'll close. Would you come? This is why that Islam is wrong. This is why Buddha is wrong. This is why Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons are wrong. This is why Seventh-day Adventists is wrong, Hindus. This is why Judaism is wrong. Because of who's coming, the Lord God. That's why. John the Baptist said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, he was right. Jesus was right there. He's the kingdom of heaven. He's at hand. Repent. The person of the Lord. Brother George, will you dismiss us this morning, my brother, as we go back? Come back here tonight at 6 o'clock. I would, I would pray. You pray.